this new month, we are on the um, topic of the seven churches. And how all of this started, guys, was because I, I fully acknowledge that we've got people that are not going to be here for the rest of their lives. We're all going to go out to different places. I myself may even go out to some other place, wherever the Lord calls, right? You know, you're about to go to college soon. She's, she's out and about already. So we really want to be able to equip you guys that when you go out into the world, wherever you may go, you'll be able to kind of know what to look for in a church and what you should be yourself. Because there are many, many churches all around the world, okay? Even in a small little town, you can find at least 50 churches, all right? There's a church in every block, a church in every street. That doesn't necessarily mean that each and every single church that you go to is supposed to be where you should be, okay? So we really have to follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit when we are selecting a church. And at times I wanted to, you know, where do we get the best advice to be able to really figure out how to learn um, what we should be looking for in a church? And luckily Jesus Christ talks exactly about this topic in Revelation chapter 2. But I'm going to introduce the book of Revelation to you guys. Beforehand, I'm just going to pray us in and we can get started. I just have a few ground rules. My only ground rule is please put your phone away. And if you're talking to somebody that you need to move, do so. Thank you. So, thank you guys so much. I'm going to pray in and get started, okay? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for all that you've done. Thank you so much for this service. I just ask that you continue to be with us, Lord. And help me to be able to just be able to explain your word to your people here. In Jesus' my name, we do pray. Amen. So, we are in the book of Revelation. Can you guys tell me what you know about Revelation? Hmm? It's written by John. Which John? The one that Jesus loved. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Revelation is written by John, the one that Jesus loved. What else do you guys know about Revelation? Huh? It's the last chapter, that's true. Yes. It talks about the end times. Mm, scary stuff, right? Numbers 666. Right? It's crazy stuff. What, what else do you guys know about Revelation? Anybody here on this side? What do my guys know about Revelation? <coughs> it's the last book. So that's already been that's already been said, bro. You gotta say something else. The last word is amen. Ah, that is true. That is true, Spencer. You've been reading, man. You've been reading. I see you. Is it though? I gotta check. So, anybody else? Revelation, what you know? All right. That's cool because we're going to be learning this together, okay? So, the book of Revelation was written by John and Patmos, right? So, whenever we read a text, we want to be able to understand who wrote it, when it was written, right? The context, because all that stuff really, really, really matters, okay? If you're taking notes, I would include this as a part of your notes, okay? That the Revelation is the last book of the Bible. It was written by John in Patmos. Patmos is a place, okay? It's not John of Patmos. P-A-T-M-O-S. Patmos, all right? And it was written under the instruction of Jesus Christ. Revelation is very different from all of the other books that we read. And the reason for that is because Revelation is all, as the title says, a revelation. So 
under the instruction of Jesus Christ, right? What we're going to see that you read, we're going to read the chapter one just to get a bit of a basis to understand what it is that we're actually seeing here because there's a lot in Revelation and I want us to take things very slowly and get an understanding for it, okay? So, that within... Um, Within Revelation, Jesus Christ first talks about... Hello? Oh. Sorry, yes. So, <laughs> within Revelation, Jesus Christ talks about seven churches that he refers to. Okay? So I want us to be able to go to Revelation chapter 1, verses 9 to 20. Alright? This is not in the paper that I showed you, so you got to use your Bibles here or your phone, whichever you got. Just please don't be distracted on your phone. Revelation chapter 1, verses 9 to 20, all right? And can I have, actually, let me read this to you guys. Can I have you guys close your eyes? I just want you to really be able to imagine and picture, okay? When we're talking about Jesus Christ, we worship God in spirit and in truth, okay? So you really just want, I'm going to read this out to you guys and just try your best to imagine what's going on here, what Jesus Christ says to his people, okay? So I'm going to read from from Revelation chapter 1, verse 9, all the way to the 20. And then we'll read the chapter 2 together, okay? So Revelation chapter 1, verse 9 says, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the, on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice, like a trumpet, saying, Write what you see in a book, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, and to Smyrna, and to Pergamum, and to Tarotira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands. Picture seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one was like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like a burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand held seven stars. From his mouth came a two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are, those that are, and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Amen. So, did you guys picture that? Hope you guys got a really interesting imagery in your, in your mind, right? 
So there's seven churches, there's seven stars, right? And they're all, picture how big a star is, right? The sun is a star, right? Picture how big a star is. And just all of those fit in the hand of Jesus Christ. And that just kind of show you how massive that is, right? So to give you guys some geography, some more context of what's going on here, right? So I've, please don't laugh at my, my, uh, my little image here, but I try my best, man. Back in high school, I had this teacher, this history teacher. He didn't know how to draw one bit. His name was Mr. Prada. But Mr. Prada can't draw, can't, can't draw his name. Like, but um, here you see my map. This is a map of Asia, right? And you see all these different places here. So we've got Pergamum, Thyatira, Smyrna, Sardis. Philadelphia, right? Where we get the name Philadelphia. Laodicea and Ephesus, right? There's also a place called Smyrna, Georgia. I don't know if you guys have ever been down there before, but a lot of cool places that we see here, right? And each, and next to each of these places is a star, and that star is an angel, right? So there's an angel that has been assigned, that was assigned to each and every single one of these churches. Right? Typically every church may potentially have an angel that is assigned to that particular church, right? And then, John is on this island here. You guys see that small little spot? Yeah. So John was exiled. He used to live in Ephesus. He spent a lot of his time in Ephesus, okay? But he was exiled. And when he was exiled, he was sent over to Patmos. And at Patmos, he had his, his yes, question? I think a lot of the Christians, the Christians that were left in Ephesus were being persecuted. And he was preaching the gospel continuously, and they had to get him out of there. Usually, that's why most of these most of these believers are, are exiled. So he is he gets exiled on the to Patmos, right? And there he has his there's the revelation from Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ gives him instruction about what is currently going on and what the end consists of. Okay? So anybody know where this is modern day? Like, huh? Close by, not Saudi Arabia. Anybody else want to take another guess? Huh? Somebody said it. Where? Turkey, Turkey, Turkey. So modern day Turkey is where all of this stuff is. But someday, if you guys ever want to go visit and see, oh, where was Ephesus? Where was Smyrna? What was all that stuff? Go to Turkey. Okay? That's where it'll be. So that's enough of my drawings for today. I want us to get into the text. So do you guys all kind of have a background of, of what we're looking at here? Everybody got it, right? There's these seven churches, right? And Jesus Christ has given direction to John to write about the state of these seven churches. All right? So, and we kind of see the description of our Lord and Savior Christ. It's a bit different from what you guys have seen in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? And there Jesus is in human form, human flesh. And here we see him in the spirit, where it's almost indescribable how amazing he is that he's able to, to carry seven stars in his hand. And the lampstands are the churches, okay? Picture a lampstand next to each and every single one of those churches you saw there. So, as always, there is a message from the Lord, and this comes out of Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. And that's what you guys have with you. So, if you don't mind, can you please stand? And read with me as we go into the word of the Lord. Revelation chapter 2. It's in the little paper that I gave you, so just pick that one up and 
Read with me here, if you don't mind. If you are willing and able. The word of the Lord in Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. We're going to go on three, okay? Ready, guys? So, one, two, three. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the seven churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, The words of the first and the last, who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich and slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and for ten days you have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the seven churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Amen. Beloved, who holds your neighbor? Tell him, neighbor. Oh, neighbor. Do you have an ear to hear what the Spirit says to the churches? You may be seated in the presence of the Lord as you are already seated. Awesome, awesome. So, Revelation chapter 2, right? Keep all of that in the background, right? We're going to be running through this chapter, although I do encourage you, please take some time, go back, right? Read through it. I've had to, you know, read through this all week, so I can only imagine there's only just a little piece of this that you can grab with you, all right? But please do be taking notes. I'll also kind of, every now and then, say, hey, make sure... You jot this down, all right? This is a key point. Although all of these are key points, all right? So, what did we learn from the church of Ephesus? Seven churches, right? Today we're talking about Ephesus and Smyrna. And within the rest of the couple weeks, we're going to be talking about the other churches as well. But each church, Jesus Christ comes and he tells John, John, all of these churches here, I want you to go there and give them instruction. Tell them this is what they're doing good, and this is what they're doing bad, and I want them to fix it, all right? So what does this mean for us when we're looking for church, body in, in the future? 
If we go on over to the verse 2, chapter 2, verse 2. It says, I know your works, your toil, and your patience, and how you cannot bear with those that are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and have found them to be false. So the people of the church of Ephesus, they were really, really good. They were really good at having doctrinal vigilance and endurance. Right? So they were really good at not being deceived by other people. This day and age, we have many, many false prophets. We have many, many false apostles. All these different people that will come to you and promise you all these things that are not biblical in any way, shape, or form. There's a lot of false doctrine that goes around in the world. For example, give a ton of money and God will give you this, God will give you that. For example, the purpose of life is to become rich. All these things are false doctrines. For example, God did not create you to be poor. That is a false doctrine, right? Though you are poor, you will be rich. God has called us to be rich in Christ. There's a difference between being rich and having money and being rich in Christ. You can have a whole bunch of money but still not have any love, not have anything in your heart and just be empty, right? So it's really important for us to not be swayed away by false doctrine. Beloved, when you are in a church, Point number one, that you're looking for a church. Make sure that the church is not teaching false doctrine. And how will you know that the church is not teaching false doctrine? Let me step back for a second. Do you guys all know what a doctrine is? Hmm? So a doctrine is like, is like a rule. It's like what, what, what makes the basis of church, right? So for example, we have the Trinity. We all believe that Jesus Christ, that there is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? That's called the Trinity. So that trinity is known as a doctrine, okay? That's something that we all believe in, okay? Does that make sense? So we also believe in the Lord's Supper, right, when we do communion, right? That's also known as a doctrine. There may be some churches that will say that we're not going to do the Lord's Supper. There may be some churches that will say that we don't believe in the trinity. We don't believe that Jesus Christ, that, that God is Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, there will be some people that may say, well, God is in different shapes, but that's not the way the, the Trinity is explained, right? So that's something that's known as a, a, as a doctrine, right? What are the core doctrines? What are the core beliefs? So the Church of Ephesus was really, really, really good at making sure that when false people came by, that they were not being swayed. And it doesn't really say how they did so, but by what I would imagine is that they stuck to the word, and they got an understanding of what was really true. Beloved, if you are not in your word, I say this all the time, and I'm always gonna keep saying it because this is the most important thing I can ever give you. This is the most important thing I can ever give you or ever say. That if you're not in the word, there is no way, there's no way that you are going to know. There's no way that you're not going to be deceived, right? So for example, if somebody comes to you and says, hey, Come and sow a seed, right? If you want your your family to be successful and all those things, come and sow a seed of, of $10,000. We see it all the time, right? Come and get some holy water from online, buy it, right? These are all false doctrines because Jesus Christ has never promised us riches. He never promised us financial wealth. Do you guys see what I'm saying here? So we have to be very careful. There may be a church that will say, hey, Go ahead, have sex outside of marriage. All those things, 
There may be some churches that, that will say, that will, that will bend to the culture. That will say, hey, homosexuality is just fine. A lot of things. The Bible, culture, and the world changes. The Word of God never changes. So we have to be true to the Word of God. And when you're searching for a church, not searching for one that makes you feel good, but one that does challenge you. Because there are some things that not everybody agrees with the Word. But here's the thing. It doesn't necessarily matter what we think about the Word. It matters what the Holy Spirit thinks about the Word. And what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us. There's some things that we may not like. We should probably just say, hey, we disagree with this. But when you're searching for a church, the, the basis of that church, that foundation, should be a church that is based in doctrine, right? That is based in shunning evil. That is based in knowing when things are false, what is good and what is right. A lot of false people that are among their myths everywhere, right? That's why we, we read through First John before, right? Because First John was telling us about, you know, those who were with us, but they were not with us. They, were, they weren't really with us, it says. So it's really important for us to have that understanding that, um, it's really important for, for us to have that understanding of to be able to identify what's false and what's not, okay? So when you read your word, that will really give you that solid foundation. When somebody's saying something, you can be like, no, man, that's not what the Bible is saying. Every single thing that I'm saying here, I hope that you guys don't just take it, go home, and sit on it, and just show up the next week. I really hope you go home, read through your word, and be like, hmm, yeah, that makes sense. Or, uh, Kevin, you're off today, right? Come and check, correct me. That's what we're all here for together, all right? So that's when you want, someday when you guys go on out to the world, and you're looking for a church someplace else, please make sure that you're finding a church that is based in sound doctrine. Not a church that's just there to make you guys feel good about your lives. That's not the point of church. Church is meant to convict. Alright? It's meant to convict and make you guys see that there's some things that we need to work on. Alright? You and me both. So if a church is not doing that, then that church is not based in doctrine. That's what we're learning here from Ephesus. Alright? So, that's what, that's, what they're do, that's what they're good at. Right? These guys are good at being silent in doctrine. Now let's talk about what they're bad at. Right? Have you guys ever been to like a review? I don't know if you guys ever had a review at either school or something. They're always like, hey, you know, so this is what you're doing really well. It's called the sandwich method, right? Oh, sorry, the, the hot dog method, right? They say, you can have good morals and still hate your neighbor. We have to shun evil while still loving God's people and praying for them. Right? The church of Ephesus, they weren't wrong in being able to expose false doctrine. But they were wrong in not loving on people. But all they did was just cast judgment and condemnation on people. I hope you guys never feel that way from me. I hope you feel convicted. But that's, there's a difference. Conviction hopefully brings repentance. Right? For you to be able to change. Because I'd rather be judged by one of you guys than be judged by God at the end of the day, right? Because after, after death comes judgment. So, do we kind of have an understanding of that so far? Are there any questions? Any questions about the Church of Ephesus? Yes? With conviction brings repentance, after conviction. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the goal, that's the hope. 
But after you feel convicted about a certain situation, that brings repentance. Because if you don't feel convicted, Romans teaches us this, right? Paul teaches us this in Romans. That there are some who are given over to their sins to the point that they don't even feel convicted. That they don't even feel like what they're doing is a problem. And that's a dangerous place to be. But that's a message for a different time. So, what's the solution to what the Ephesus, to what Church Ephesus is doing here? And Jesus Christ tells us the solution in verse number five. He says, "He says, remember therefore where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first." So, three things: remember, repent, redo. Three R's. Remember, repent, redo. Remember, repent, redo. Remember what you used to do. I talk specifically for a lot of people that you used to serve. How did you used to feel when you come to, came to church? Sometimes you'd be the guy that would greet people. Hey, how you doing, my friend? How are you? And you stopped all of that because you were like, these people just don't get it. But God is telling you, don't get to that point of being jaded. So remember what you used to do. And then repent. Because it's not showing love to your brother. It's not showing love to your neighbor. Go to God in repentance. And then God will help you. What does it mean to repent? We say this all the time. Anybody want to explain to me? Confess your sins. Okay, there's that. There's a bit more, though. And change your ways. That's, that's the most... That's key. So if I'm going this way, you know, I can com- confess my sins. Oh, Lord, I did this and that. And I'm still going in that direction. Lord, I did this and that. But I need to turn. Repentance literally means turn. Right? Because if this is the bad way, I no longer want to go there in whatever I'm living my life in. And I want to turn. And then come towards the Lord. Right? That's what it means to repent. You can, you can confess your sins all day long, but if you continue in them, you have not been forgiven. I hope that makes sense. Does that make sense? Jesus Christ is not a game. Jesus Christ is real. As we've seen here in his depiction in chapter 1, very fearful um, and very awesome as well, how he's described. So, repentance is important. We want God to do certain things for us and all of that. All of that is fine and dandy, but if we are living a life in sin, it's not likely to happen for us. And if it does happen for you, be very careful, because that may have not come from the Lord. You can be very successful without the Lord, but is that what you want in life? So, hope that makes sense. A church that does not remember repent and keep their first love is at risk of church closing. You guys ever heard of a church close before? Oh no? You heard of church close before? Exactly. Churches close all the time. Like a little business. Churches close all the time. A church will never close if Jesus Christ is in that church and Christ is watching over that church and the people that are in it are following the, the, the rules of the Lord. And that's guaranteed here by the Lord because he says within the chapter 5, sorry, the verse 5, 
that if you don't repent, he's going to come and remove your lampstand from its place. He's going to come and take the church. He's going to come and take the church body, and he's going to close down your building. Because Jesus Christ does not play games with false doctrine. He doesn't play games with false teaching. He's very patient. And now you're probably wondering, oh, God, why hasn't some of these churches been closed down? What's happening? But Jesus Christ is very, very patient. Um, so know that when you're part of a church, make sure that you're remembering, repenting, and keeping the first love. Seek for a church that really loves God. All those of you guys that go out to school, please seek for a church that really loves God. Don't just go for one that's so entertaining. Like, there's so many entertaining things these days. All the different songs that you want to hear, that you want to that, that you want to sing. It's not about that. It's all about God at the end of the day. If you're going to a particular place, take all the fluff out. And you just have to. If you take all the fluff, there's nothing wrong with those things. Okay? There's nothing wrong with the stage lights and all that stuff. But if you take all those things out, Will God still be there? If God is still there, then continue. If God is not there, then I encourage you to run. Okay? Same here. If God is not here, run. Because I don't want to be any place that God is not. Amen? So, that is the church of Ephesus. Any questions about them and what the Lord tells them? All right, so now we're going to go on over to Smyrna. Smyrna? Smyrna, Georgia. So there's Smyrna. Smyrna is also another one of our churches here. Um, as you guys see, all the way down to the west side uh, in Asia. Let's picture this is Turkey. Okay, guys? I'm terrible at holding this thing. But you know what we said earlier? John is a Patmos. He's writing to all these seven churches, right? And Smyrna is down here. All right? And Smyrna's also got a star. All these stars represent an angel, and all of them are in the hands of the Lord. Okay? You'll see the number seven a lot if you read through the book of Revelation. Number seven is all over the place. Seven churches, seven trumpets, seven angels, a whole bunch of things, right? But not to get off topic, um, so you guys see Smyrna there. We're going to talk about that one next. To give you context, right? Because I always say the context is important for every single thing that we read, right? When you read the Word of God, you read it with the Holy Spirit eyes, and you give context as well. So what's happening in Smyrna that God is displeased with? Smyrna was a place that they were good folks, but they were around a place that worshipped a lot of other deities, a lot of other goddesses. Right, Homer and all those things were were, were there, there was like a whole shrine to Homer. You guys know who, who Homer is, yeah. right? There was an entire shrine to Homer in Smyrna. So people were worshiping this man. Um, in Smyrna is in the, this place called Izmir now, Izmir, Turkey. So if you're trying to ever visit Smyrna, that's where you go. Um, But essentially, there was, there, there was just a, a, a bit of Jewish presence in that city. And there was a lot of Jewish opposition to the Christians that were there. So the Christians that were there were facing a ton of persecution. But for example, but for some reason, they were still there. 
right? So, unlike Ephesus, yes? Thank you so much. So she gave us a bit more background. She says that Homer wrote the Odyssey. Have you guys ever read the Odyssey before? Right? It was like a big deal guy. There's a shrine to his name. There's like all these other goddesses and gods in that place. Right? There are other gods of this world. They're very real. Right? And other people worship them. So the Christians were facing true persecution in that place. It's hard to imagine, right? For a lot of you guys that have spent a lot of your lives here, or born here and all those things. Because we're in the United States, predominantly Christian nation, right? So, but I want you to be able to picture that, like what it's like being the minority, right? What it's like living in a place where you are the minority. Imagine Christians in Pakistan, one of the most deadliest places to be a Christian. Picture that, and that'll give you, help give you some context when we're talking about Smyrna. So, Smyrna section says, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, I'm reading from the verse eight, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. Let's stop right there. You see how awesome that is? These guys are just telling the first and the last. He died and he came to life. But Christ rose, and that's why we have hope, because he rose. He says, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Then the verse 10 says, do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. There is a lot here. Jesus Christ is pretty much telling us in the verse 9, he knows what you're going through. When you are hurting, when you're suffering with something, he knows. But even crazier, he says, continue to endure. A lot of times we're praying, we say, Lord, take me out of this problem. Why am I still in this? Why, is, why are things not working the way I want them to go? And we think a lot of the times our answer should be, yep, God just came to swoop them up. No. Sometimes God is telling you, endure. Enduring your tribulation, enduring your trials. And that enduring may never be resolved even in this present life. That enduring may lead you to death. The first death. There are two deaths, and I'll get into that in a little bit. Then he says that he knows the poverty of those people as well. People in Serenity do not have as much money as the folks in Ephesus. And he says, but you are rich. But you are rich. How can you be rich and poor at the same time? Right? So these folks are financially poor, 
but they are rich. That's the best type of rich to have, guys. They are rich in Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ is living, sitting, breathing, hanging out with you, the Holy Spirit is in your life, doesn't matter if you only have a penny, you will be the happiest person. I know people who have tons and tons of money, buildings, everything. You, you mentioned it. Yet they have no rest. They have no peace. And then there are people who have nothing and people look at them as if, what are you? What do you have? But they're the happiest people ever because they have Jesus Christ. That's one thing that I've learned after you, you, when you guys start getting paid, you start working, make, getting a paycheck. Your first paycheck, you're going to be like, wow. I don't know if you, any of you guys have, have had jobs before, show of hands. Right? The first paycheck, you're like, wow. Right? And then a couple of paychecks later, you're just like, eh, all right. Right? You feel, you feel that? It's like, eh, okay, paycheck coming in two weeks. Or you're always like, yes, I'm so excited. New paycheck. Sometimes you'll go by, you won't even know that you had a paycheck come through. Right? Oh, you're still on the wow phase? That's cool. That's cool. Stay on the wow phase. But sometimes you'll have that wow. Right? Question? You good? Yeah, sometimes you'll have that wow in the beginning. But towards the end, it's going to diminish, right? That's called the law of diminishing returns, right? The more you get of something, the more you get. Anybody taking an econ class before? Yeah, the law of diminishing returns, right? The more you get, 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 the lower utility you get from that thing. Utility is just your happiness level, right? So imagine, I've been working almost over four years now. So my happiness level from paycheck, 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 though I do appreciate it's not as much as it was in the beginning, right? So people can be very rich. You can have all the things in the world and still not have happiness. The one thing that has stayed true each and every single day, each and every single breath, each and every single part of my life has been the Lord. Each and every single thing that I've ever been through. That's the best. God is, has been so good to me through all the things in my life. Life is not going to be easy. I'm not asking for riches. I'm not asking for financial wealth. I don't care what I drive. I don't care where I live. But what I do care is that Jesus Christ live in me. Does the Holy Spirit live in you? That's what I care. When I, when I see you guys, I don't care what you got on your test. I do care about, I care most about where are you going? Do you have the Lord? Because even if you got a C or a D or whatever, or an F even. If you're not careful, that thing can mess you up. But if you have the Holy Spirit with you, you know this is going to be okay and the God's in control, right? So that's, what, that's the type of mindset that the people at Smyrna have. So when you're looking for a church, right, you make sure that the people of that church embody that. Embody love, embody goodness to one another. Appreciate what they have, right? But that church is not jealous of one another. But that church is not trying to showboat, it's not trying to show off, right? These guys didn't have much, but God loves them. Imagine that. They have an entire angel watching over that church. And then he says, do not fear what you're about to suffer. 
the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. So Jesus Christ already knows. If you're not facing the trial right now, someday you will. They always say that if you've never gone through anything, just keep on living. Something will happen. And that's very, very true. Um, you will go through a trial. You will be tested. Just think of all our brothers and sisters in countries where being a Christian is very hostile. They're, they're being tested. And the encouragement that God has to, to give them is that you're going to suffer. Keep on going. When we renounce the things of this world from our life, this is the best. This is the best advice we can ever get. When you renounce your parents, your friends, your job, money, whatever, and Jesus tells you you're about to suffer, but hold on. Be faithful unto that, and he will give you the crown of life. When we have our mind on eternal things, let's have an eternal mindset, guys. Note that down. Have an eternal mindset, an eternity mindset. Because there are sometimes when some places you will be, being a Christian is hard. Even in school, let's bring it to that. How many of you guys have been able to tell people you're Christians? How many of you feel some type of way when you do? Feel some type of judgment, so because of that you don't? Even that in the workplace. Right? So that isn't a form of persecution a bit, but not to the level of what we're seeing here in Smyrna, what's going on in other parts of the world. Right? So it's really important for us to have an eternity mindset because every single thing else will fade. Note that point. Have an eternity mindset because the things of this world will fade. You will get older. If you're a beautiful person, with time, that will fade. Your family will be gone. Your money, at times, you sometime, point at some point in time in life, you won't be able to continue working. You can get ill. All those things. So those are all physical things. Those are all worldly matters. So that's why we have to have an eternity mindset on Jesus Christ. That that's where we want to be. That to live is Christ, guys, and to die is gain. When you live, you live your life for Christ. When you die, you gain the crown of life. You gain eternal life. You have eternal life right now when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's when eternal life begins. So, he says, be faithful unto death. If Jesus Christ came and told you guys to be faithful unto death, show of hands, how many people would actually be like, yep, Lord, I got you. Or would you go find some other alternative? If Jesus came and told you, hey, man, you about to, you're going to go through something. Not just like, not some little demon going to come get you, but Satan himself is about to pick you up and throw you into prison for 10 days. And, oh, you might die. Right? It's not like, hey, I'm guaranteeing you life. How many of you guys would really be like, all right, Lord, I got you. I'm with you. Let's go to the end. Hmm? Yeah? I pray that you guys never have to face such persecution in your life. Um, 
It's not an easy one. And it's not, you shouldn't feel like upset or something. Huh? Yeah, Jesus told you, hey, you like that? That's true. Jesus is saying, hey, you, you might die. Um, but when you have that eternity mindset, like I'm saying, even if you do, you are so happy because you have Christ. So, the other part of this, the last part that I want to dig deep in here is the last verse, which says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the seven churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. What is the second death? Huh? The second one? That's not the second death. That's like that's judgment, right? Guess that's when Jesus Christ comes back, but that's not necessarily a death. Uh huh. For your for yourself. Oh, for yourself. Uh-huh. The, the second death. Anybody here want to take a take a guess what the second death is? No. Huh? Health. Hell. No, the second death is not hell per se. But you're all kind of teetering around what I'm trying to get at here. Hmm. Condemnation. You got that. Now, let me break that out to you guys. So the first death, everybody pay attention here. If you don't get anything else out of this, I want to make sure you get this part. Each man, each woman is due to face two deaths. All right? We all got that? Two deaths. The first death is a physical death. You die. You know, everybody's going to face that first death. Are you guys paying attention? I want to make sure you guys get this. All right? First death, everybody's going to die whenever the Lord calls. Second death is the death where you are eternally separated from Jesus Christ. The second death is eternal separation from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that is the type of death that I don't want anybody in this room or anywhere in the world face. If God is one that gives you life, right? If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're not working to actively grow in Him, I don't want the second death to be your future. It's enough to die once. Those who are in the Lord, to die is actually gain because you will be resurrected with the Father. You'll be resurrected when he calls in the end. All will be resurrected. Some to go into eternal death, eternal separation from the Lord, and some to be with the Lord. I pray that you will be one who is with the Lord. So do we all understand what the second death is now? The second death is much longer because the second death is eternity. Right? To each, each man and woman is called to die once, some twice. Hmm? Question? 
All right, so that is pretty much it for the majority of this. Um, when we were looking for a church, the church at Samaria didn't receive any condemnation. Sorry, they didn't receive any, any rebuke. Let me use that word instead. They didn't receive any, hey, this is what you guys got to do better. Because they were doing a really good job, you know? So when you're looking for a church, they don't got much. They're, they're, they're probably a really poor, small-looking church. They're probably, they got no money, right? They probably don't got the, the fog lights, the, the, the best singers, the best teachers and all that stuff be, being paid. They probably ain't got none of those things. They probably ain't even got a choir, right? But God is saying, I love this church because you are rich in me. So when you're looking for a church, last point, to summarize it all, when you're looking for a church, don't look at the fluff, look at the stuff. I'm out here rapping a little bit, just help stand with me, I'm trying to, trying to just drop a bar. Is that, your kids still say bars? Do they still say that in college? You're kind of old now, you don't count. Do people still say bars? I say, yeah, see, they said they still say bars. They said they still bars, right? All right, cool, cool. I always wanted to say that. Anyway, so <laughs> make sure that when you're looking for a church, you put aside all the little fluff. You don't go to a church looking for, you know, things that you desire for your own flesh, but looking for what's going to grow you spiritually, okay? You want a Bible-saturated church, a Bible-going church to be saturated in that. That's really important. That's what we learned from the folks at Ephesus. They are very saturated in doctrine. And from the people in Smyrna, we see that they love God from the depths of their heart, even though they don't have many things, even though their church doesn't have AC. If your church didn't have AC, would you go? Huh? Show of hands. If your church didn't have AC, would you still go? So only, only like five people. If your church didn't have any AC, would you go? Show our hands. Huh? Yeah, they, they got windows. It's gotta, it's gotta have windows. Okay, if you're, now if your church didn't have heat, would you still go? Raise your hands. Bring a blanket. You're gonna bring a blanket. You can bring a blanket if you feel like it. Right? So that's what I'm saying. So that's good. There's a place in Smyrna, Georgia that has this big old church. And it's just a place where um, I want to make sure that people kind of go for that entertainment feel. But don't ever go to church for an entertainment feel. Go to church just for God and to spend time with Him. Alright? So, does that make sense? Yes. Have I explained the two churches very well? Yes. Or is there any, anything missing? Can someone give me a summary of what we learned today? Yeah? <laughs> Someone from the front, someone from the back, and someone from here, and someone from the back, all right? I want four people, okay? So you'll do the one from the front? Yes. Uh, we're looking for a church. I'm looking for the book. I'm looking for this. With wisdom comes misery. All right, somebody from this side. Anybody else from you guys? What did you guys learn today? You guys want to share? Any of you three? My, my three stars? 